0: The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Student Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash student ministries. It's good to be back with you guys. Um, we, we finished up two weeks ago with our sermon series, Mirrors, looking at who we are, who we're called to be in Christ, if you guys are remembering some of this, um, our identity. Well, we're kind of transitioning from that into a somewhat similar um, passage or, uh, or series, church and culture. So now that we know who we are, who we should be in Christ, who we're called to be, uh, let's impact culture. Because I think we've got something extremely valuable, uh, the gospel, right? We, we um, are representatives of the gospel, and so we're called to share that with with those who um, don't know Christ. And so we're gonna be talking the next couple weeks. Coy um, and myself, I will be this week. Coy will be speaking next week, so don't miss that out. I think it'll be really, really neat. But um, so, yeah, we're talking about how to appropriately demonstrate the gospel in the context in which we're living. A lot of you guys, that, that's school, but that can honestly be um, wherever. I know a lot of you guys have jobs, um, so your workplace. In your families, I, I'm not um, ignorant to think that every single person um, has a Christ-like uh, home, Christ-like parents to come home to, and so I'm, I'm not ignorant to that. And so you can be Christ to your family members, your peers at school, your, your coworkers. And so um, after knowing who we are, what does that mean to impact the culture that we live in? And so we're going to be talking about that for the next three weeks. Um, and honestly, I think it's dire. It's so important, especially in the time that we're in right now. If you guys have been seeing the news, the Charlottesville, um, and honestly everywhere across the, across the nation, across the globe, there's, there's a lot of things that's going on. And um, I want to be, I think the church should be the first to say that we won't be a part of that, that we won't stand for that, that, the, that that's strictly evil, that racism is evil, and that we, we don't condone that, we don't agree with that. And so... Um, And so what do we do with that? It's not congruent with the gospel. You can't be, uh, you can't have that kind of evil residing in your hearts and yet still be somebody that follows this book, right, that still lives by this book. And so I think we should stand up and say that, but it's really important that we don't just say that while we're sitting here in the confinements of the walls of church, right? That we can cheer and say, yeah, racism is wrong, but then say that whenever we're in good company, but then whenever we step out into culture, whenever we step out in schools, that it is very apparent we can't be ignorant to think that that is only happening in Charlottesville or that is only happening in uh, other places in Missouri. No, it's happening here in Springfield. And I'm not just talking about racism. I'm not talking about just hate. I'm talking about the core of the issue, evil, sin, and not knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I'm talking about the core issue and so really, I think there's kind of this chain of events that kind of bring us from, the, from being the people um, that, that are of Christ to the point of being able to appropriately minister the gospel and share the gospel that we live by to other people. And I really uh, kind of summarize it right here in these three points. Understanding your identity, understanding what it means to be a Christ follower, and that leads to conviction, to wanting to share, to have a desire to say, this is amazing and I want to share that with you. And then from that point to how to appropriately witness because we all know that there's people that do uh, spread the quote-unquote word of God and it just does more harm to Christ's name than good. And so this is really kind of the step that we're going from being a person that just has the gospel in our hearts and just being a, a person of Christ to ourselves to being somebody that can express it out and to be, um, uh, to be a part of what God has really commissioned his believers to be, and that is um, bringing out the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? Not just to be these home buddies, these people that um, hear a good sermon on Sunday and worship God on Wednesday, and then your peers at school don't even know that you're a believer, right? So from being a person that does believe in God all the way to, I want the world to know because what I have is so valuable. It's the most important thing in the world. And so, um, I was thinking about this this week and uh, just kind of convicted, challenged myself, really challenged. Uh, because I was thinking, you know, how, how am I being a part of the church that God has called? How am I being a part of the, the uh, commissioned people to share the gospel? Because the church isn't just here. The church is right spreading the good news. And so each one of us are called to be a part of the church. So I think it's a question that all of us as individuals, need to really ask, how am I a part of the the Great Commission? And I think if there's really no names that come to mind, nobody that you can really think of that I'm really trying to share the word of God to this person, I'm really trying to show this person the amazing grace that God gives to every single person, I really want to share this, I want to disciple this person. If there's really no one that comes to mind that you're really impacting, I think that there's a kink in, in that chain that we were looking at. I think there's really a somewhere from the point of knowing what it means to have the gospel and wanting to appropriately minister. If, you're not, if you don't have any clue of anybody you're really impacting with the gospel, there's a kink somewhere in that, right? There's a problem going on that we really need to address. Where is that? And we need to fix it. And so with that in mind, this week I kind of want to look at the first part. Understanding what it means to be a Christ follower leads to having a deep conviction to share. And really the main point that I kind of want to look at tonight is that if you truly grasp the depth of who we are, if you truly understand um, the significance of what the gospel means, you, you can't not want to share that with somebody. And you can't not want to warn them about the alternative if you don't have that. If you really know what it means to be saved and what you're saved from, then you can't not want to just go out and warn people and share this good news that you have an opportunity to have a relationship with the Savior of the world. You have to want to do that. And so if you don't have that conviction, if you're not dying to share that with loved ones or friends or anybody, then really maybe the kink is in truly understanding the significance of what the gospel means to you. And then maybe we're minimizing what it means. And so I want to look tonight at 1 Peter chapter 2. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out. We're going to be looking at that. I think that really speaks a lot to this topic. I think it really uh, shines light to it. If you have your scriptures, if you don't, um, you can raise your hand. And I have a few here. And if you don't have a Bible at all, um, feel free to, hold, to keep this. And uh, it's, it's Evangelical Temple's gift to you. Um, do I have another one there? Anyone else want a Bible? Uh, we got two more. So and yeah, like I said, if you don't have one, please keep this, hold on to it, and it is our gift to you. We want you to be able to have God's word, and so uh, easily accessible. Second, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, towards the end of the Bible, last couple, last couple books there. Okay, if everyone's there, say Yeah. Yeah, that was about 50%. We'll count it. If you guys want to stand up, let's read the word of God. And just standing up is really just in um, honor to the amazing word that He's given us, the revelation that He has for us. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 is where we're at. Verse 9 and verse 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You guys can be seated. Thank you. God bless the reading of his word. Before I kind of jump into this, I think it'd be good... Um, Let's pray really quick. Let's just ask God to be in this place as we look at his word, as we um, learn about him, and that his Holy Spirit would speak. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to get together as the church and hear your word. Lord, it is something that we never want to take for granted or minimize or see that it's anything less than it really is, that the God of the universe would speak down words to us that we can hear, that we can better live and serve you, God. We thank you. We just pray that in the next moments, God, that you would speak through what I have to say, that what I've prepared, God, that yeah, I would speak through my mouth, but Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to souls and that you would challenge, you would convict, you would encourage, you would do whatever it takes, God, whatever um, these students each individually need. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would satisfy that tonight in these next few moments, that you would show your presence to us, and that we would leave transformed and different than when we came in, God. We thank you so much. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So i got to be a little transparent with you guys. Are you guys okay with that? You won't judge me? hoping that's the case. So I was really debating, uh, talking about this little story. It's a snid bit, but it, you know, it says a lot about me. Sarah um, told me that this would be good. So when I was little, um, I... I don't know how little, maybe six, seven, I had this idea about myself, and I was super proud, Um, I thought I had a superpower, and I'm actually being completely serious, Uh, isn't that crazy, right, I've seen too many superhero shows, if you, now everyone's going to try it, if you push on the side of your eyes, you see double, everything goes crazy, I know people are laughing, I told you I'm being transparent, do not judge me. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, so I was little, and I would do this, and I genuinely, I promise you, I genuinely thought this, that I had a superpower of being able to see through walls because once you do that, the wall almost looks kind of like see-through. I seriously thought that about myself, and so, you know, I I actually thought, well, if somebody finds out about this, then... I might be taken away from my family. Like, I got super deep about this. Like, they're going to take me for the governmental experiments that's going on. And so I seriously didn't tell anybody. I am so serious. I was like six or seven. Okay, do not judge little Isaac. He was, he was having a hard time. Um, yeah, I was going through all the troubles that an um, up-and-coming superhero was. I was thinking, well, if I have this superpower, maybe other people have this superpower. And so I was thinking, well, maybe they're keeping it secret, and if we can get it together together but not let anyone else know, it doesn't matter. I, I seriously had this idea, and then whenever I found out, like, that is not the case, and I'm just pushing my eyes and probably leading myself up to having LASIK in a few years, like... Um, it was like an, like an identity crisis. I know you only have those like a few times in your life, maybe like when you hit 40 or something. Well, I had mine like super early. It was like a really early one at like the age of six, identity crisis. And I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, all the cool things that I thought I had about myself would just went down the drains. I'm not, I can't see through walls. And I didn't know what to do with my life now. My occupation that I had in mind was no longer um, identity crisis. <laughs> I don't know why I told you that. So, Peter here, so Peter was talking about um, what it means to, uh, what, what, what our identity is, specifically your identity and being a Christ follower. Peter, in these two verses that we just read, was addressing our identity, who we are, identity in Christ specifically, and he, he does so by quoting the Old Testament. You, if you guys know the story of, um, from Israel, from the very beginning, whenever they are born up in, in, uh, in Egypt, and they exile out, and you, so that's the whole story of, of Israel. He's really kind of quoting parts of the Old Testament, multiple parts of the Old Testament, in these two verses, and he's saying, you are a holy people, you're a chosen people of God, you are God's holy nation, and he's quoting that, and he's letting these people know who they are in Christ, who they are in general, and who they are as God's people. And I think it's important that he's saying that because it's it's the gospel. To know that God chose these people, that God would um, handpick and he would say, I want relationship with you. I want to be uh, your God. I want to, to know you. I want you to be able to know me and to live for me and to be my people. I want to be your God. God comes down and he He calls out these people, and because he initiates that relationship with him, they then, in turn, choose to serve and live for him. And that's the gospel, right? That's what we hear, that God offers us relationship with him, and that with him, we can have something that we couldn't ever have before, and that is salvation and a hope and a future for eternity. Because without him, we're sinful. We're no better than anyone else living the way that we see in the news we all those different things without god we we have absolutely no hope we have no future we have no promise but with god we have everything right and so he says you are a chosen people you are a holy nation you're a holy priesthood all these people are set apart they're different and it's all because god initiated a relationship with them and i think that's important because it leads to pro- proclaiming his goodness proclaiming his goodness going to make sure i say that so he says in verse 9, you don't have to flip there, I'll read it. He says, but you're a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people after his own possession. So he's saying, you are set apart, you're different, you're God's people. He offered you something and you are to take it. And he says, why? Because that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you. It's important that we know who we are in God, in Christ, who we are to God that we are God's people, that we're God's holy nation, that we are God's chosen people, that we would be saved from utter eternity in hell, that we would be with God. It's important to know that because God deserves the praise. We see in Scripture that it says that the, that if we don't, if that His people don't sing praises to Him, the rocks will, that all of creation bow and worship worships God that God deserves all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. And so it's important that we know who we are and what he's done for us so that we would proclaim his name. It's important that we know what God did for us, that he offered us something, the gospel, relationship with him, salvation from our sins, that he offered this to us, so that we would proclaim his name that we would sing praises to him give him glory we see in philippians 3 if you guys are uh, regularly going to Sunday school we we uh, had a Sunday school lesson going over philippians a few weeks back and and we saw in philippians chapter 3 the first 8 10 verses paul says beware of the dogs that are calling you to to Jewish ways, to be circumcised, that you have to be Jewish Christians. Beware of them. Do not fall into what they're saying. Well, to give you a little bit of context of that, and we talked about this in Sunday School, so this might be a review for some of you guys. So these people in Philippi that were considering what the Judaizers, people that were saying, become more Jewish that's what they were saying. And why they were considering, was that, considering that was because they wanted to keep from being persecuted for being a Christian. In this time, Rome, uh, they would persecute smaller, um, new, upcoming uh, religions or um, other, other sects, other cults, stuff like that. But, but Christianity was coming up out of Judaism and so now there were this small group of people, and so Rome would, would persecute them. They, own, they wouldn't persecute the, the uh, religions of antiquity, or uh, what that means is just religions of, uh, that have been around for a long, long time. Okay, They wouldn't persecute that. So Judaism, as we know in the Old Testament, stretched out way past the time of Rome. And so now Rome, they're persecuting other religions, but they're not persecuting Jews because they've been around for so long. And so these Jews are coming to Christians now and they're saying, just be more Jewish. Call yourself a Jew or start doing what Jews do to where you don't be persecuted. And so these Christians are considering, they're weighing very seriously, well, maybe we start doing that. Maybe we start considering to be Jewish Christians, living under the Jewish law, but still kind of being Christian. And and Paul says, don't do it, don't do that. Don't fall into that. Why? Because in a few verses later, he says, I I can consider myself the best Jew of them all. He says that I can can do this, I can do this, I can do this. I've I've done this, I've done that. I can be classified as the best Jew of them all. But, verse 8, he says, I consider all that a loss to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That anything less than the gospel that we have, the salvation for eternity, relationship with Jesus Christ, with God our Savior, anything less than that, It's really selling yourself short. He says, Don't buy into that just because you don't want to be persecuted, just because you don't want to be, in our context, you don't want to be looked at differently. You don't want people to talk bad about you. These people didn't want to be persecuted. He says, Don't don't sell yourself short just because you want to be socially accepted. You're turning up, you're giving up something so much better, and that's the gospel relationship with God. He says, Stand firm. Be a Christian because I consider all that to be nothing in comparison to being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and I am willing to proclaim that to everybody. I want, I'm fine with everybody knowing that because it's the truth. I think the problem with the, with the church in Philippi was that they, they allowed man to be a bigger God than God was. They were allowing man to be a God that was bigger than our God. They, they cared more about man, man's opinion, uh, opinions, people's thoughts about them, and they cared more about that than actually living for God. And I think maybe the truth, that, that, that same truth could maybe be the case for a lot of us sometimes. That we don't, that we give in to, to the culture around us, the conditions around us, the people, the groups that we're hanging out in, that maybe we, we, um, we conform to that because it's easier, because it's not as hard, it's not as difficult, and really we're selling ourselves short of what there is so much better, and that's just proclaiming, I am a son of God. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. But I think it's it's rooted in not understanding the depth of what that really means to be a son of God, to be a follower of Christ, to understand the depths of what that really means. If you understand that that being, that living for Jesus Christ means salvation, that means eternity in heaven, that means living for the God that created absolutely everything, that whenever you understand the depth of that, that, the significance of that, then I think... That you would want to tell everyone about it. You would want to proclaim it. And anything, that, anything less than that, you would just be minimizing the gospel. And so, are we making our God too small in comparison to man? Because if we, know, if we truly know the significance of the hope that we have, the promise that we have, we will naturally be compelled to share that with other people. After this, Paul says in verse 10, he says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's, he's acknowledging their past, that they weren't always like this, that they weren't always living for God. I think it's, it's important that we realize that, that we know that. And it's kind of sometimes a little hard I think for for us, especially those of you, myself included that grew up in church that have always been a Christian because this verse right here lets us know that we can identify with we can we can relate to those people that that are out there that aren't living for Jesus Christ, that don't know the gospel that we have, the significance of what we have we can't We're like, well, I've never never been not a Christian. I don't know what it's like to not be a Christian. I can't relate to those people. Well, I'd say one, I think that's really awesome. Honestly, first of all, I think that's really, really cool that you had the opportunity to be raised in a house where you've never had to go through that kind of stuff, that you've always been raised up knowing Jesus Christ. But I would also say, number two, that don't lie to yourself that you can't relate to those people. Because I think every single one of us can. I think every single one of us without Jesus Christ is sinful in nature, that we are broken, that we are without Jesus Christ, without hope. We don't have a promise that we are just as sinful. We are no better than those people out there that don't know Jesus Christ. I quote that uh, somebody I've been reading recently. I really have fallen in love with some of his works, J.C. Ryle. I've been reading him recently, and he's really been challenging um, to me. You uh, You can read him if you want. He has this book called Holiness. But he wrote, and he said this concerning the same idea, A holy man will desire to esteem all others to be better than himself. He will see more evil in his own heart than in any other in the world. He will understand something of Abraham's feelings when he said, I am dust and ashes. And Jacob's feeling when he says, I am unworthy of the least of your mercies. And Job's feeling when he says, Behold, I'm vile. And Paul's feelings when he says, I am the chief of sinners. Without Christ, all of us are absolutely nothing. All of us are sinners. All of us are short of the glory of God. And so we can relate to those people. Now, with God we are no people, but with God we do have an amazing hope. We do have an amazing promise. But we have to understand that to lead to a conviction to want to share that. If you don't understand the significance of that, why would we share it? What's there to share? If you don't know the significance of what God did for us, why would you be singing about it? Why would you be proclaiming it to the world? But when you know that is what the God of the universe did for me, a nobody, a sinner, a somebody that is vile, somebody that's from dust and dirt, the God of the universe would do this? Whenever we understand the significance of what he offered us, relationship with him for eternity, when we understand that significance, well then at that point, I think we can't have anything but the desire to want to tell other people about that relationship, with that opportunity, to to tell them, you can have this same thing. If we aren't doing that, though, I think maybe we are minimizing in our hearts what it means to, to be a Christian, the significance of what it means to have a relationship with God. If we can't think of a single person that we are really trying to present the gospel to and disciple how watered down is our God, is, is God in our minds what he's promised us if we don't even want to share that with anybody else? I don't have the quote. I don't have it uh, with me. But there was a quote that I read from actually an atheist um, a while ago. And so I don't have it with me, so don't. I don't even know who it's by. But he said something along the lines of how much can you really hate somebody to not want to proselytize to them, to not want to, to share the gospel to them? How much do you have to hate somebody to not warn them about what you're going to face if you don't have a relationship with God? How much do you really, truly have to hate that person to not want to share the gospel with them? I think what we have is the greatest and most valuable thing somebody could ever have, and that's a relationship with the creator of all things. We have that. We have that opportunity And when we know the depth of that, well then I think at that point it leads us to being convicted to want to share and to tell people what good we have and to warn them of the alternative. But it also takes that we have to know that we are no better than them without Christ. We need to to be humble enough to witness to anyone and to be thankful enough to witness to everyone. We need to be humble enough to know that we are no better than them, that we would witness to anybody. It doesn't matter who, that we would witness to anybody, and we need to be thankful enough to acknowledge how great the gospel is, that we want to share it to everybody. That's so important. How strong is your understanding of what God has done for us? And that will lead to how convicted you are to want to share that to people. I can't help but think that uh, if we're not proclaiming that, if we're not sharing that with people, then our concept of what God has done for us is just too small. That we just don't fully understand, that we don't fully grasp, we don't fully appreciate. There's a world out there that's hurting right now that desperately needs this hope, desperately needs that promise. We see it all over the news, but... You know what? We, we can't just say, point at the TV screen and say, man, that's tough across the nation. That's tough across the world. We can point it at our schools. We can point at it in some of the households here. We can point it at other places. These people need Christ just as much that the mission field is not just in Charlottesville, it's not just in anywhere else, it's, it's in Springfield. Because anywhere that doesn't have the hope that we have, the promise that we have, they desperately need that. And you know, it's kind of interesting, it's kind of funny uh, that I don't think we should not acknowledge this. Who the author is of this text that we just read? It's Peter. Peter, the guy that denied Jesus right in front of Jesus, that Jesus would look over at him and see him as he's denying his Lord and Savior in front of people, so that he wouldn't be persecuted. That's Peter who, who just wrote this, to know who you are so that you would proclaim his excellencies, that you that you would proclaim his name, but you have to know the significance of what he's given you first. That's Peter talking about that. I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't think that uh, conviction is bad this 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 understanding that, you know, I, I need to work on this. I need to, that's the Holy Spirit working. That Holy Spirit brings conviction. I don't think conviction is evil. I don't want it to be guilt, though. I don't want, I don't want that you, you know, because it's really not up to us that we can present the gospel to somebody and that they can reject it. But I think the Holy Spirit can bring about conviction to us of of sharing, you know, what we need to work on, what we need to how we can maybe present the gospel better. And I think that is the opportunity that we have right now as the worship band's gonna play. And we just spend some time resting in his presence, meditating on his word, thinking about how we could better live for him. I think that's when he really brings this stirring in our souls, this heart that I want want to share your gospel. I wanna appreciate what you did. I wanna appreciate what you offer me. And I wanna share that with everybody. Peter, Peter didn't fully know the, the depth of what Jesus Christ was just about to do for him. He denied Jesus right in front of Jesus to make his life just a little bit easier. Jesus goes on the cross and he's standing there watching all of this and he sees Jesus die an excruciating, painful death. He sees Jesus raised, come to him, resurrected and all his glory, and he goes to him and he talks to Peter and he says, are you going to take care of my, my church? Are you going to be the leader of my church? Are you going to lead them to be the church that's commissioned? He says, go and make disciples. That's where we get that primary text that's all about sharing the gospel. He's telling that to Peter after Peter has seen the, raised, the risen Lord. And then we see from that point on, Peter is all about sharing the good news to people to the point of being crucified himself. That's this author, the person that just wrote this to us. A man that didn't fully understand the depth of the significance of what God had done for him. But when he did, when he fully grasped it, he was willing to do anything to proclaim that name, to proclaim the good news, to tell... I have to tell you about what it is that that God offers you. It's convicting for me that I want to be that church. I want to be a person's part of the church that's sharing that good news at all costs, whether we look weird in in our social groups and our settings. And that doesn't mean to just run up and scream, "Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus?" You know, like you don't have to. That's that's the next couple of weeks when we talk about how to appropriately witness, but. Tonight, do we have the desire to witness? Because if we don't even have the desire to witness in the first place, if we don't have the conviction to witness, we're not going to get to the point to where how to witness appropriately because there's definitely an appropriate way to witness. There's an appropriate way to represent God. And there's definitely inappropriate ways to sp- to share the gospel. But that's not what we're talking about. We're simply talking about do we know the significance of the gospel to the point of wanting to share it? Are we convicted to share in the first place? Are we wanting to share to our peers? Are we wanting to tell the people at our schools? Are we wanting to tell our coworkers what they don't have and what they desperately need just as much as we desperately need it? So if you guys would just stand. We're just gonna go into this time of prayer and meditation. Feel free to... Um, I'm gonna be in the back for prayer, but you know, just spend some time praying with God and don't miss out on that. Let's pray really quick. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for your word and I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you bring conviction, you bring a deep desire, God, to share with other people the good news that you have to offer, that you would die on a cross, that you would offer up the opportunity to have a relationship with you, God, that you would, you would present that to us. Lord, I thank you for that, Lord, and I thank you that we now have the opportunity to be able to read that, to see that, to hear about that, and that we can also share that with other people, that you extend that, that offer, that promise, that hope, that we don't have to be in eternity without you, that we don't have to be in eternity without relationship with you, but we have the hope, we have the promise that we can rest in your presence if we just reach out and take it. Lord, I just thank you for that. Lord, I just pray that you would bring about a deep desire welled up in our souls and our spirits that we would never forget the significance of what you did for us, what you offer us, this hope that you have for us, that we would never forget what that means to be a Christ follower. Because truly, Lord, when we know that, there's no other possibility than us wanting to share that with other people. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to convict our souls, to convict our spirits, to warn other people. And to share with other people the hope that we have. Continue to challenge us, strengthen us, Lord, and give us grace where we need it, Lord. I thank you so much for all your promises. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.